all make mistakes. Some of us select the perfect rug and brush gently beneath those mistakes and lay that lie down for each and every one of our passerbys to step on. The horrors will lie beneath, unbeknownst to them. And as they do pass by, they are chipped with the grasps of hateful vines that sprout from below. Some of us, on the other hand, admit to our faults, put them on display, and cope with the onslaught of beratement and ridicule, and adjust accordingly. Without pride, we learn, we grow, painstakingly bettering those around us at a self-internalized, justifiable cost. We all make mistakes. That's what we do. Without them, the world around us could not learn and adapt. It's what we do with those mistakes that make us who we are. Most mistakes are in the moment, and and, and that's okay. However, all mistakes are carried out with some known element of control and cognizance of outcome. When a mistake is premeditated, you need to stop and take a long, hard look inside to understand why you've chosen to go along with that mistake. Not at first For you know through and through that the outcome could go either way, in your favor or not. Was it, after all, wise? Revenant One, reporting. Me, I didn't die perfectly, or gracefully by any measure. I know that much. I didn't think about it then, I didn't think about anybody else then, but I know that now, through and through, it wasn't right. Doesn't matter where I attempt to place fault, it wasn't the right way to leave this life. And if I had an audience, some group to let me have it, I'd take it and evolve into something better, because that's what I do. But I can't now. I don't have that luxury. I don't have that option with what I've done. Instead, I've... I've seemingly taken a more complex road. All that sees me now really is just me. All that knows how I got here is is me aside from God. I try not to think about the damage that I've left behind or the hell through which some of those that I've selfishly abandoned are going. I can't change that now. What's done is done. Or is it? But think for just a moment. If your mistake was suicide, pivoting on the supposition of the escape from intolerable, excruciating earthly torment was impossible, then what you left behind meant everything to you when you were alive and coherent of sound mind. What would you do if you could see the human that missed you the most? The one that, if you could remember, and did remember, miss so painfully and regretfully, what would you do if it was your mother, your father, your sister, your brother, your son, my daughter, my daughter, my daughter, and her room is where I am, frozen in my tracks, she sees me, and now, I see her. Things have become nearly impossibly complicated 
You see, as revenants, we only reveal ourselves to our targets just prior to termination. Whosoever shall see a revenant, unless the situation directly implies such. And, by the code of the revenants, any human that sees us must be terminated. At this time, my final moments of death are constantly flashing in my head. The razor to my wrist, watching the blood stream and pull onto the cold and personal hotel floor, and arriving to me in my head for that mistake. There's much regret. How can she see me? And how is it that I'm even thinking about the code? No. I'm making my own rules now. I've got to figure this out. I will figure this out. Daddy, is that you? Yeah, those are her words. And she sees me. Oh, my beautiful little baby. I pull my black hood from over my head and turn around and face her in the darkness. She dims up the light on their bedside table. Daddy, she exclaims as she darts out of her bed and jumps into my arms. I embrace her. She wraps her legs around me and hugs me and squeezes me, trembling in tears of triumph. I knew you'd come back for me, she cries. Mommy was so wrong. She said you'd left me forever. She was so wrong. I'm here for you, baby, I whisper. I'm here for you. Mommy said you were in that box, that box they buried, but I never believed her. I never believed her. She's always lying to me. She told me that the police found you on the bathroom floor at that hotel three weeks after that night you guys were arguing. She's so mean. You can imagine what is going through my mind right now. God damn it. I lessen my embrace as she intensifies hers with all that she is. Baby, I say, listen to daddy. I've missed you so much, and I love you even more. But daddy has a new job, and I need to tell you something. She lessens her embrace as I softly grab her beneath each axillary and gently place her down on the floor in front of me. I look at her, into those beautiful, glistening, rupier brown eyes, and say, You're so beautiful. I should have never went away. I begin trembling in tearful sorrow, and then I do all that I can to maintain composure and say, Daddy has a new job. I should have never taken it, but it's something that I have to do now. Uh, I travel a lot, but I'm going to try to see you as much as I can. But it's a secret job, and my boss has rules. 
And no one, no one can know where I am. And no one, no one can see me. Remember that story I used to tell you about the little blue light? And how only the little kids could see it and could tell no one about it? It's like that. I'm like that little blue light that helped little kids sleep. But... I make bad people sleep. And... You can't tell anyone ever that you've seen me again. And I promise to visit you as often as I can. Can you promise me that, baby? I feel her energy fall so accommodating yet wistfully. She says, I remember that story. The little blue light that helped the little kids drift off to sleep as long as they never told anyone else. Yes, I remember that story. That little blue light in the forest. I promise, Daddy. I promise I won't say anything, she says. But when will I see you again? Sometimes when you're older. Maybe days from now. Sometimes, perhaps, days after they buried that box. I know that's confusing right now, but I'll explain at a later time. I have an idea. How about I tell you a story like I used to? A rush of joy consumes her as she smiles passionately. Let's sit in our chair, I say, as I turn her around. I put my arm around her and, like a cinematic love show, glide her effortlessly across the floor over to our chair. I sit down oh so comfortably and she snuggles up next to me, angelically. Moments like this distinctly define you as someone's favorite person. Never, never forget them. Nothing can take them away from you, from me, ever. I begin to tell my story. A story of a light that was born. A light that changed my life. How that light was named, my daughter's name. And as I continue through the part where I intended to really make her feel, I can feel her energy and she feels so safe. And then I feel her twitch like she always does. And she falls fast asleep. I slowly and gently reach into the pocket of my jacket and pull out the last note that she wrote me just days before my death. The one that I carried in my casket. The one that I carried in my cold hands into that hole. I place it still folded into her beautiful praying hands nestled beneath her small little cheeks. I need to let her know that I never left. And then, 
the silver bracelet on my left wrist glows. I'm being summoned. As my presence begins to fade, I lean down and kiss her forehead. I'm fading. And then, her mother walks into the room. She doesn't see me as my presence fades, but she sees our daughter there, sleeping in her chair. She walks up to the chair. She sees the paper. She reaches down and grabs the piece of paper out of our daughter's grasp, then opens it. Then after a brief moment, she's taking it all in and she falls to her knees in complete and utter shock, shaking, shuddering in disbelief. I'm at the doorway, then I disappear. Revenant One, signing off.